folks, as you're looking here at the stage this morning, you're noticing uh, that there are some things that we don't normally have. Uh, you probably also noticed as you walked in uh, a little display that's been very well done outside that uh, has a picture, a rendering, architectural rendering of a uh, building, proposed building. You also, uh, when you came in on your pews, there should be plenty of these around. This will come in handy uh, with the run, the jog here. Uh, but you will be able to find one of these in the pew in front of you. And I hope you'll grab onto that. I'll make a reference to it as we move to the end. But I want to introduce you today to the basic concept of an initiative that we are uh, calling Project Reach. And that is to uh, really looking at what our church family feedback we've received from you. Uh, you know, back before COVID hit, uh, we had a long-range planning committee that got survey results back from our congregation. And from that, we developed a, a three-phased project. And, and phase one of that is, is being handled right now as our kitchen's being remodeled. And as, uh, as the uh, food pantry will be, uh, a new food pantry will be built, it's, it's ordered, it's on the way. Uh, phase two involves uh, a, a consolidated children's facility, and that's uh, what Project Reach is kind of focusing on. And we want to just kind of introduce you to that concept today and, and really spend a few weeks talking about the idea of how we are to really be good stewards of our lives, our entire lives, and part of that, and I'll just tell you up front, that one of the things that we're going to consider over this emphasis and through this initiative is uh, your commitment to the kingdom of God, specifically your financial commitment to the kingdom of God. It's, it's not uh, the only factor we're going to consider, but it is certainly one of those factors, and I want you to understand at the outset that according According to what Jesus said, our money is the currency of our lives. And according to what Jesus taught, how we spend our money indicates where our heart truly is and where our true kingdom lies. Did you know, for example, that Jesus spoke about uh, finances more than he did any other subject, more than he did heaven and hell combined? He talked about the the stewardship that we have been given as we live our lives. Why did he do that? Jesus understands that money, your finances, that's usually the most accurate barometer of where your heart is and what your real priorities are, and it reveals areas in which you really and truly trust God. Now, if you're sitting here today and you're saying, I know everything, every, the only thing the church talks about is money, then that's proof to me you hadn't been here in a long time because it's uh, not something that we we harp on even though it's something that Jesus has a lot to, to say about. So yes, we're going to talk about finances, but not just about your finances. We're really going to focus on the stewardship of your entire life. In fact, the big question that I want us to think about not just today, but in the days and the weeks to come, the big question that I want us to consider is simply this. Are, are you fully committing every part of your life to the mission of God? Not just on the weekends, not just 
on special occasions, but is every part of your life devoted to God? Kind of think of it, maybe it's easier for us to think of it as, as Baptist in the terms of food. Uh, think about the uh, bacon and eggs, a good hearty breakfast. Now, when you eat bacon and eggs, two animals made a contribution to that. The chicken contributed the egg just a little bit. The pig gave his all. <laughs> When we, when we think about devoting ourselves to the kingdom of God to advance his kingdom through whatever means necessary, we want to ask the question, is every part of my life surrendered to God? We're going to look this morning at the life of a man who understood that all of life was to be lived in surrender to God so that God's kingdom could advance because his kingdom is the only one that's going to exist for eternity. That man's name is Noah. As you take your Bible to Genesis chapter 6, we're going to read a few verses from the life of Noah as his journey with God begins. And Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5 tells us, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah, Noah found a favor, he found grace, he found kindness in the eyes of the Lord. God's kingdom agenda appeared to about to be derailed through the wickedness of man, but God preserved his kingdom agenda through this man by the name of Noah, who found grace, who found favor, who found unmerited, undeserved kindness in the eyes of the Lord. I want to make a few quick statements about the life of Noah, about his experience, and I want to show you how what was true about him and the experiences that he had as a follower of God is also true about us and our experience as followers of Jesus, and I want to show you how his life was one that reached up and glorified God. It reached out to reach others. He also reached in to take care of those that God had placed under his care, but that all happened after someone reached down to Noah. That's the first thing I want you to notice. God reached down and gave Noah grace. Notice that it's not God reached down and Noah achieved grace. It's not that God reached down and Noah worked for grace. It is that God reached down and gave Noah grace. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. There was nothing special about Noah. He simply heard the voice of God and he responded. 
just as there was nothing special about Noah that gave him grace or made him grace-receiving material, so too is there nothing really special about us that would mandate or that would obligate God to be gracious to us. God was God before you got here. He's going to be God long after you and I are gone. There's nothing about us that made God give us his grace. If you have received God's grace today, it's not because you have done anything. God has reached down and given his grace to you. Your relationship with God, your standing with God, the grace of God in your life, grace is never received. Or excuse me, it's never achieved, it's always received. Noah did nothing to earn the grace of God. He simply received it from God's hand. Number two, having received grace, God used Noah to reach out and to reach in by extending his grace to others. Why did God choose Noah to build this ark? Why did God give grace to Noah? It was obviously for Noah's benefit. God wants to bless us. God wants to uh, bless those that he's created. It was for Noah's benefit, but it was not just for Noah's benefit. Noah was chosen not just for his own benefit, but for the benefit of others because that ark that he built was not something that was just for him. In fact, that ark that he built, that became a place of salvation to anyone who would listen to the message that Noah declared. God's grace toward Noah wasn't intended just for Noah. Noah was to extend the same grace to others that he himself had received. I want that to sink into your heart and into your mind this morning that Noah received grace in order that he could extend extend the same grace that he has received. Why has God given you grace? Why has God given you blessing? He wants to bless you. He wants to give his grace to you. It is for your benefit, but it's not just for your benefit. You and I, as we talk about the stewardship of life, you and I have been entrusted with the treasure of the gospel. We have been entrusted with the grace of God, and as someone who has received Receive that grace. Our task is now to extend that grace to others. And may I say to you that if the people of God, I'm not talking about the politics, I'm not talking about those who are not of the kingdom of God. If people in the kingdom of God, if we would relate to each other with the grace that God has given us, that would solve a lot of the mess that we see around us today. Noah received grace, and with that grace, he was to extend that grace. This required a change of priorities. Life could no longer be about Noah. 
He could not carry on his life as normal. Think about it. Having heard the news from God, God said, Noah, build an ark. And the reason I want you to build an ark is that I'm going to judge this world. I'm going to send a flood that's going to wipe out everything, every sinful person, every sinful entity, every sinful anything. Unless these people get on this ark that you're going to build, they are going to die in destruction, in judgment. Think about this from that point forward, every person that Noah saw, having heard from God this truth, every person that Noah saw was someone who would either be saved on the ark or someone who would die in judgment. This is how he had to look at people. When he would ride down the street to the Walmart, because we know they had a Walmart somewhere, When he would go into Walmart and see people, every person he saw, having heard this message from God, he had to look at them as being someone who would get on that ark and be saved. Are there going to be someone who ignores the message of God and they face judgment? Having received God's grace, he could not keep it to himself. May I say to you, church, that being someone who has received the grace of God, God's grace is a gift to us, but it is a gift that's not just for us. It's a gift that we are to show and extend to others. And Noah did just that. Having received the grace of God, he couldn't keep it to himself. Third, having received God's grace and having then extended that grace to others, that allowed Noah to reach up and glorify God. Let's fast forward to the story of Noah and the flood. As we fast forward, God sends the flood. Noah And all those people, man, you talk about someone who didn't have a good resume. I mean, if you had preached, you know, preachers, most of them trying to always climb some ladder somewhere that's not going to get them anywhere. But uh, one of the things that when when you get around preachers, if they want to go somewhere else, they they try to brag about how many people have have joined everything else. And uh, that I don't follow that model because one, it didn't work for Jesus uh, because he had 12, ended up with one. Uh, and two, it doesn't work for Noah. I mean, the only people who responded to Noah's message was his family. That's it. And so Noah's family gets on the ark. Everybody else says, you're crazy. Everybody else says, I don't care. I don't believe the message. So Noah's family, they're saved in the ark. God sends the flood. The floodwaters recede. Noah gets off the ark And this is the first thing he does when off the ark in Genesis chapter 8 and verse 20. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord 
and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird, and Noah offered burnt offerings on the altar. He offered a sacrifice to God as a means of glorifying God. This is the first thing that Noah did that was not in direct response to a command of God. Thus far, up in his life, until chapter 8, everything he's done has been in response to God's command. God commanded, build an ark. He built an ark. God commanded, use this kind of wood. He used that kind of wood. God commanded, these are the dimensions. He used those dimensions. God commanded, go on the ark on this day. He went on the ark on this day. God commanded, send the raven. He sent the raven. God commanded, come off the ark. He came off the ark. But here, this sacrifice, this was Noah's idea. He took the initiative, and he is so awed by the goodness of God that he can't help but glorify God by offering a sacrifice. Don't miss how his life is connecting together. Noah reached up after he received grace and extended grace. God received glory. And Noah is an example of what God wants to do in and through his people today. Noah glorified God. He reached up by inviting others to receive God's grace by coming into the ark. He's reaching out and by ministering to those who received that grace, his family, he's reaching in. Noah, God's grace has reached down. So Noah reaches out, he reaches in, and in the process, he reaches up and glorifies God. You see, Noah was given a clear mission and a clear message. And may I say to you this morning that as followers of Jesus and as his church, we too, if you have a relationship with Jesus, You have a mission and you have a message. Will you listen to me? As a follower of Jesus and as a church that belongs to Jesus, our first obligation is to reach up and glorify God. It is not my job to impress you. I love you, but truth be told, I could care less if you're impressed by me or not. My job, my task is not to impress you. My job is not to wow you. My job is to preach the gospel of Jesus, die and be forgotten, but let Jesus be glorified. And as a follower of Jesus, my first obligation, and as a church that belongs to Jesus, our first obligation is to reach up and glorify God because he is the center of it all. In speaking of God's work in and through his church, Paul declared, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or all we think according to the power at work within us to him to him be glory in the church not to pastor not to deacons not to staff not to you to him to God be glory in the church reaching up and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever amen so our primary task is to reach up and glorify God so 
How then do we do that? How do we, having received the grace of God, how do we reach up and and glorify God? And, And there are many answers to that question. But I can think of no better response to this idea. If the desire of God is to be glorified in and through his people, the church, how do we reach up? We reach up when we reach out and fulfill the Great Commission. If you want to glorify God, if you want to reach up and glorify God, you reach out by fulfilling the Great Commission to hear the words of Jesus, to go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. This is our task as followers of Jesus, as a church of Jesus, to glorify Jesus by reaching out. But we also reach up when we reach in and fulfill not just the Great Commission, but we also fulfill the Great Commandment to love one another as ourselves. And we do that by ministering to the flock of God, to the family of God at First Baptist Church of Milton. Paul said in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10 that as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. You see, like Noah, we know that God has given us his grace. He has reached down to us, not simply to save us, but to make us an extension of his grace, an extension of the gospel in this community where God has planted us and this mission in which we have been called. It will require, as it required Noah, a reorientation of our priorities. We must look at this world differently. We must look at the people in this world differently. Just as Noah, when he saw people, he you they're either going to be on the ark and be saved or they're going to stay in the flood and be judged when we see people every time you pass someone on the street i know it doesn't matter what color they are it doesn't matter what their uh, sexual orientation is it doesn't matter what their preferences are it doesn't matter what their level of income or what their social status is every time you pass someone anywhere walmart on the street at the school anywhere anytime you see someone even in this building look down at the pews around you, the people that you see sitting around, every single person is headed to one of two places, either for salvation in the ark of Jesus Christ provided by the cross, or they're headed for the flood of judgment. And when you understand that, you can't look at life the same way again. When you understand that someone can make a lot of money and they can have their life in order, but they can die and bust hell wide open, and forever be separated from God, that changes how you look at people. And like Noah, we have to have our focus reoriented. The mission to which we've been called requires it. Every person we see is either headed to heaven because they belong to Jesus, or they're headed to hell. Because they're outside the family of God. And as I've said to you many, many, many times, to me, the greatest tragedy that will ever be spoken and true is the fact 
that of all the people who are in hell, not a single one of them has to go. Not a single one. Every single person in hell had the chance to receive the grace of God and have eternity with God. Now, does that mean that we think a, a children's facility is going to accomplish that purpose not by itself? Absolutely not. Say, so I want you to understand this. Let's link our lives with Noah's. Because God has reached down to us with his grace, we must reach up to him with glory. And that demands that we reach out to others with the gospel and that we reach in and extend God's goodness to each other. Grace has come down, and now grace must and glory must be going up as we give and extend grace out and as we extend the goodness in God within. See, Project Reach is much more than a building. It's about using a physical building. It's about using a, a facility to accomplish a spiritual mission, which is something First Baptist Church has a long history of, of doing, of not building a building for our building's sake, but, but doing something that will help us more effectively and more efficiently reach people with the gospel. Ultimately, we want to use our facilities, our buildings, as tools for ministry that don't point to us, but they point to a Savior who died upon a cross and who vacated a tomb. We want to use facilities like this to declare the gospel here so that you can then go out in the community and declare the gospel there. We want to use facilities like we have now to continue to disciple and, and cause people to be the hands and feet of Jesus so when they leave here, they look like Jesus as they live in this world. So this booklet that you have in front of you, and, and the reason that we print this booklet and, and have it for you is, is so we don't have to read it all here and, and make you late for lunch or anything because we don't want the, the Methodists to beat you to the, uh, to, the, to the buffet at Ruby Tuesday or wherever. But, but I hope that you'll, and I'm going to hit a couple of things in this book, but I, I hope that you'll take this home. If, if you're watching us online today, and uh, you can, this, this book, it's available online as well, fbcmilton.org slash project reach. We just put this book online, uh, I did yesterday morning, so it's there for you to review as well. But the question comes up, you know, you may, maybe you, you ask the question of, of, of why focus on, on a children's facility? Why are we focused on that? And, and the reason we're focused on that is, is really twofold. Uh, one, that the feedback we got from you as a congregation back a couple of decades ago before COVID hit, uh, it feels like a couple of decades ago, a couple of years ago, in fact, not even a couple of years ago, within that two-year time period, it's, it's been a long, long time. You've seen those pictures of, of teachers or, or preachers or workers before? COVID and they look all young and then after COVID they're like it's like the president when he goes into office he comes out of office he's got black hair when he goes in he ain't got no hair when he comes out right 
uh, kind of what we've been going through uh, with, with, with COVID. But, but two primary reasons. One is the feedback we had from you as a congregation. The fact that as a congregation, it was uh, at, at the top of, 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 of that list was the fact that we needed a, a consolidated facility for uh, children's ministry to occur. But the, the second reason that has kind of developed since we first did those surveys was that we recognized the field around us. Understand that 51% of the people who live in a 10-minute drive of this church campus, 51% are age 40 and under. And of that population, uh, age 40 and under, of, of that population, 50 4% don't have a connection to a church. Now, you don't have to be connected to a church to be saved, but I am saying that if you like me, by default, you're going to like my bride. If you don't like my bride, you and I are going to have problems. We're just not going to be connected. And, and the church is, is the bride of Christ, and, and we need to understand that, that uh, 54% of that population is not meaningfully connected to a church family. So when you leave here, when you drive home today, if you live within 10-minute drive or beyond, when you drive those, those 10 minutes from this church, you realize that, that the homes you're passing, they are full of people, they're full of families with children who they are either safe in the security of salvation with Jesus or they stand today condemned. And if today is their last day, as it is with anyone who doesn't know Jesus, they will st- spend eternity separated from God. And we look at the challenges that we have. Of course, as you know, we've been very, very frugal and very faithful and very steward-wise in using the facilities that God has given to us. But one of the challenges that we face is, is we have three separate locations. If, if you've got a, a, a baby in the nursery, you go to one building. And if you've got a baby in pre- or a preschool, you go to another building. And then if you have in a, a separate, in a completely different place. And, and if you have someone that's in children's ministry, you go upstairs to another building. And, and if your last name is Everett, you go to all, every building we have on campus. <laughs> I feel so sorry for them. I watched them get, get all those kids settled. There are more specific challenges that your, your book outlines. But, but facing those challenges are not new. In the past, First Baptist Milton has addressed them and has met them, and we will do that now. And so the plan is, if you look in the middle of that book, it, it shows you that the plan uh, that we desire to accomplish through Project REACH is a consolidated building for children's ministry that in one building that we have birth through fifth grade in one one place, and there are features of that uh, building that are in your booklet for you to take and to look at and, and to see that. But I want you to understand what we're asking of you as church members as we kick off this Project Reach initiative. And there's a page in there that tells you what we're asking, and it talks about how we want you to pray that Project Reach would live up to its name. I promise you, I hate building projects. I hate them. And I promise you that, that, that my goal is not to build a building so we can say there's a building. Uh, my desire is that God would use this process to help First Baptist Milton more efficiently and effectively reach out into its community as well as minister to those God has already put here in our midst to take care of each other, to be a blessing to each other, that God would use these facilities, these buildings as a tool for us to uh, effectively and efficiently get ministry and get that done. And, and you see that we have in there what it 
will take, and, and, it, and that, that's, a, that, that's a big number, but we have a big God, and, and so we're, we're kicking off this uh, initiative today to where we will, in, in a few weeks, and, and in fact, in that booklet, you should also have a save the date card, and, and you see dates that are listed there. The dates are also on the website. So over the, the course of these next few weeks, we're not going to hammer on the, the dimensions of a building or anything else. We're going to focus on Sunday mornings. We're going to focus on, on how, what God's called us to do in relation to our lives, to, to live sacrificially, to live generously, to, to do what for others what God has done for us. And ultimately, we want to use this facility and all of our facilities as a tool, as a vehicle to help us reach out more efficiently, effectively, help us to reach in, which then ultimately causes us to reach up. Because that is our task. Does a building do it by itself? No. But the building is a tool. The building is a vehicle through which we're able to do that. So I hope that you'll, you'll take that booklet. I hope you'll look at it uh, over, the, over the week. I hope you'll go to the website and you'll see some upcoming things. Uh, next Sunday, we'll, we'll have a chance, if you want to know more, to, to hang back after the service. And, and uh, we'll have some small meetings over the next three weeks with that. So I hope that you'll read it. I hope you'll pray over it. I hope that you'll ask God to begin to move you to know what your level of commitment will be since the grace of God has come down, how we can as a church through this initiative extend the grace of God by reaching out and reaching in. Because you see, Noah's Ark should remind us of that mission, not, 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 not building a building, it should remind us of the mission of reaching up by reaching out and reaching in. But even more than that, the ark pointed beyond itself, that Noah's Ark doesn't point to a church. Noah's Ark doesn't point to a children's facility. Noah's Ark points us to one place, Jesus. For you see, Jesus was the ark that we were pulled into, that kept us safe from the destroying reign of God's wrath. Jesus drowned in the sea of God's wrath so that we could be safely lifted above that wrath. When Noah got off the ark, he began a new creation to repopulate the earth. When Jesus was resurrected from the dead, he began a new creation. But his new creation was total. Not just a few families or people, but new kinds of people whose hearts had been transformed by the resurrection power of Jesus. And if Noah was so grateful for the salvation Provided by the ark that he offered a sacrifice and gave glory to God. How much more should we who have been saved from the wrath of God by Jesus, our ark, live a life of sacrifice and generosity and thankfulness for what God has done for us? Listen, friend, I know I can say this about me. God has reached down to me with his grace. If you belong to Jesus, God has reached down to us us with grace. We must reach up to him with glory. We must reach out to others with the gospel. We must reach in and extend the goodness of God to each other to do what God has called us to do. This morning I want to ask you not about an ark or a building. I want to ask you if you've received the grace of God.
Say, Pastor, I don't know. I've, I've, I've tried to achieve it. That's, that's not what I ask. You'll never achieve it. It can only be received. Has there been a time in your life when you called out to God and received the salvation that he offers to you? That's grace. He's done all the work. Have you responded to his offer of salvation? If not, you can do that right where you are. In just a second, I'm going to pray. And while I'm praying, you can pray to God. And you can ask God. You can tell God that you want to receive his grace and he'll give you that grace. He'll save you. Maybe God has moved in your life in some other way. I don't, I don't know all the things that God may be placing upon your heart today. Maybe it's, and it would be a good time even today for you to begin to pray about how God would have you be a part of reaching up by reaching out and reaching in through Project Reach. I don't know what God's placed on your heart today, but, but here's my only ask. It will always be my only ask to you as a pastor. Whatever table God has put in front of you, whether that's a table of giving, whether that's a table of sacrifice, whether that's a, a table or an ask of, of relocating to help a mission, a plant, a, a church plant, whatever table, whatever ask God is putting before you, would you just put your yes on that table, whatever it is. Just put your yes on that table. That's all that God asks. And when you say yes to God, God takes that life and he uses it for his honor and for his glory. Would you bow with me this morning? Father God, as we stand before you today, I am thankful and humbled by your grace. Lord, I did absolutely nothing to receive the grace of God. You chose in your goodness for whatever reason to give me that grace. That's why we sing that it is amazing grace. And Father, I don't know what you're calling each person here in this place to do on this day, but I know what you desire our response to be to whatever it is, simply to say yes. Father, as we move into this time of commitment, May we do just that, commit ourselves to you by simply saying yes. In the good name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.